So welcome to Canyon Creek Church. Canyon Creek Church is becoming Venture Church. And today and the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about those things which we consider to be core non-negotiable values that define us as a church community. But today I wanted to talk to you about something that is actually really enjoyable. Today is going to be enjoyable because it's actually an enjoyable, happy, fun subject. Uh, and it's, it's a subject that you've actually probably been looking forward to, whether you know it or not. And maybe you, you're even thinking about this subject at, the, at this very moment. Like your head is right there. Um, every human being in this room has done it, has done this thing. You will do it again today, probably. And you can readily and easily tell the difference between the good version of this and the bad version of this. And that is that we're going to, of course, I'm going to be talking about food, right? And so <laughs> some of you are thinking, oh my goodness, is he, what is he talking about? Yes, it's food. And, it's, and, and so what, what I'm not going to talk about is the type of eating and drinking that occurs alone, you know, where you're just by yourself and you're having a pizza. Not talking about that at all, where you just put the frozen, you know, Tony's pizza in and that's your dinner. I'm not going to be talking about that. What I'm going to be talking today is about partying, uh, a party, banquets, parties, fun stuff. Is everybody with me? This is, I told you it's going to be enjoyable. Yes. Let's, gonna ha- let's have a party today as we talk about parties. And some of you guys are, is this really, did I come to church? Are we really going to talk about this? I mean, it's not like you have to, you know, talk me into liking food, Pastor Scott. I already am on board. Yes, I'm on the party team. I love it. I love the idea of it. But today I want to actually go into it further because you're going to be surprised at what the Bible has to say. The Bible has a lot to say about food and parties and banquets and feasts. So we're going to take a look at it today. And I hope that this literally changes your perspective of what it means to live in a church community, what it means to have friends, what it means to connect with God's people inside the church, but also, in, that's fellowship, but also in terms of reaching outside of the church building and bringing people into um, to community. And so I want to talk about what that means. There's, the Bible has a lot to say, so we're going to unpack that today. I, I hope that today excites you. I hope that it encourages you. My goal is, again, to change the way you think about this subject that you can um, both prepare for and attend to this issue of parties, of feasts, of eating together. And so if you would, turn to Luke chapter 14, and we're going to be looking at the parable of the great banquet today. And we'll talk about it and what Jesus is, is, is trying to say to us in this scripture but I, but I have a question as you're turning to Luke, and again, uh, chapter 14, starting in verse 12, but, but as, as you're turning there, what's the best food, the best meal uh, that you've ever eaten? What, what is the best meal that you've ever eaten? Now, for me, I, uh, I can remember it very clearly. There's been a few, but uh, my wife and I, uh, we were in Vegas. Vegas is not our city. Like, we knew that right away because neither one of us gamble or drink or shop that much. We, so that's the whole thing, right? And so we decided, well, there's got to be something that we enjoy here in town. And it, indeed, we found it in the Venetian Hotel, in this really cool restaurant, five-star restaurant. And we sat down, and I mean, I ate a meal there that I will never forget. Now, it wasn't a fancy meal. I was very expensive, but I think it was like the beef tenderloin 
uh, with, uh, was just perfectly cooked. And then it had onion straws and this garlic dressing. And just, I mean, my mouth is watering right now. Just thinking about it, I'll never forget this. It had this ma- these mashed potatoes. And it was very, like, simple, but it was prepared absolutely perfectly, seasoned expertly, and, and I'll never forget it. Anybody, like, raise your hands if you remember, like, a great meal like that. You'll never forget it. Everybody's hands are up. Yeah, everybody remembers that. And so what about, what about the best party? What is the best party you've ever been to? Anybody think back and, you know, maybe not like a party you're, not, you're embarrassed to be about, like a, like a wedding party, you know? Um, so uh, last week I was at the Vargas's wedding, and it was beautiful. It was wonderful. Those guys know how to throw a party. It was, and they're here, by the way. Give me a hand. I just noticed that you guys are here. Congratulations on being married for a week. And, and I got to say... The, uh, the, the whole thing was wonderful. The food was amazing. Uh, how about a birthday party? Anybody love birthday parties? My mom would, uh, would, would make my favorite meal at, at my birth, on my birthday. And, and so how many of you guys love fondue? I'm, that's my favorite meal. I, I love fondue. And so I was talking to my mom about it, and she was, she was telling me, like, how hard that was. I mean, because apparently you've got to cut the meat up, and you've got to, boil, you know, you've got to get, like, all the equipment for it. And then there's, like, the, you know what fondue is? You put the little fork through, and you cook meals at, you know, cook your food at the table. And then you have, like, uh, uh, oil to cook the meat. Then you have melted cheese to put in things like pretzels and bread and everything. And then you have, like, Come on, like melted chocolate, and you put other stuff in that. And so it's this trifecta of amazingness. And my mom would would do that for me on my birthday. And I I didn't really appreciate it until I tried to do it. It's extremely hard to do. Um, But I I remember that. It made my birthday a lot of fun. And my friends were there, and it was so great. What about a graduation party? Anybody remember those? Like great graduation parties. Um, It's kind of bittersweet. You're saying goodbye to some people, but you're having a ton of fun. I love, and so I love parties, but I love, this this is kind of the bottom line. I love simple food with good friends. I love exchange, I like sharing things. You know, to me, uh, sitting, sitting at the Venetian having a meal on my own, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as, but I was sharing that memory with my wife, and she remembers it, and we talk about it to this day. It was beautiful. The moment was great. The ambiance was fantastic. And so when you, when you get food that's prepared, great, that's one thing, right? That's kind of worshipful, but when you're sharing it with somebody else, that is awesome. And so today I want to talk to you a little bit about the theology of feasting in the Bible. You're going to be really surprised at how much God has to say about feasting. In fact, in the Bible, food, get this, is mentioned over 1,000 times in the Bible, food is. Feasting is mentioned over 180 times. As you look through Scripture, 180 times, feasting. Let's go back from the, to the very beginning. So what, when, uh, when the first sin occurred, it was over what? Yeah, food, right? The, the, so it was eating without God was the very first sin. And God's people ate a meal then with God. Uh, if you'll remember when they were led out of Egypt... Before that, they had a meal called the Passover, and so the, the people ate a meal with God, and then uh, Jesus came, so we're skipping forward from the Old Testament to the New, and he is sitting eating with people like tax collectors. He's eating with the wealthy, with the people of means, but also the outcasts, people like tax collectors that, that uh, Jewish culture at large wouldn't have wanted to associate with, and he got into some trouble with that, he had some debates with people about, should you be eating with them, but he's very strategic and very willing to eat with 
uh, people. Uh, and so Jesus did. A lot of his time is spent in the Gospels in meals with friends, with foes. And his life then culminates with what? The Last Supper, a Passover meal that he shares with his friends where he says, look, identify with this bread. It's my body broken for you. Identify with this cup. It's my blood that was shed for you. And so he shares the meal, the most significant meal ever shared with Jesus at the Last Supper. And he did that as a model for us. And then after the final judgments, we're moving forward in the New Testament now, we're at the book of Revelation, and the, it culminates with this Passover meal, with this, I mean, sorry, after the final judgment, it culminates with this great feast where the bride and the bridegroom are united together at what's, what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb, where there's celebration and there's feasting and there's praise and worship going on. Jesus talked a lot about it. The Bible has a lot to say about feasting, about celebrations, about banquets, and I love that. Because it's a great subject, and it's a fun subject, but we have a lot to learn about it. And so today I want to talk about hospitality and what we can do. As we read today from Luke 12, 14, starting in verse 12, I want you to listen really carefully for the following word, repay. Listen for the word repay or repaid. It's going to be in here several times. So he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because you cannot, they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So, question, what does your view of heaven look like when you close your eyes and you think about heaven? You know, for some, it sounds incredibly boring, like it's some long, you know, worship service, some long church service that never ends. Sounds incredibly boring, or worse, their picture of heaven is just, you know, wearing diapers or, you know, wearing wings and bouncing from cloud to cloud, you know, like there's all kinds of distorted views of heaven. That's not what heaven is about at all. The Bible says that heaven is like one big, long party. The kingdom of heaven is like a party. And so it's a party to end all parties. And again, back to the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we're sitting down and we're feasting and we're celebrating the reuniting of the bride to the bridegroom, Jesus coming together with those that have persevered to the end, those that are his children and called together to unite with him in this moment of celebration. That is the kingdom of God. And it's atrocious, honestly, that Christians don't recognize this and that we don't party in the right way in response to this, of, in response to who God is. God is a relational God. God is a God in community. Even the Trinity speaks of several persons in one God, all communicating, all in, 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 in tandem with each other. He models it in the Trinity, and then he creates mankind as the apex of creation that we might have community with God. And it carries all the way through with food and with nutrition as, a, as an element of it, and it culminates in the marriage supper of the Lamb. But the kingdom of heaven is a party. It's a redeemed party. It's a feast. It's a celebration. I'm not talking about drunken parties. I'm not talking about gluttonous parties. But we want to be worshipers as we eat, worshipers celebrating in joy and enthusiasm 
in anticipation of the expectation of this eternal state in which we're all together with God and his people. It is a party. Can anybody get behind that theology? I can. Today I want to talk to you about hospitality and having a generous menu and having a generous heart when it comes to food. Because here on this side of eternity, we get to reflect who God is with each other. And one of the core values of Venture Church is hospitality because we hope to see it at practice and at work in our lives. And we want to all commit to it. We're all committing to it, whether it's going to be in life groups or growth groups or just what happens after the service or something that doesn't even happen connected with our fellowship. But our our core value is we are generous with our community. And so what is a banquet? Let's start with that one. Well, obviously, it's a feast. It comes at great expense, and it's an investment of your time. It's an investment of your energy. Some of you, you know, when money is spent at a party, many of you might think, well, the money could be spent better, right? Why spend the money at a party when you could give it to the poor? You could spend your money certainly more wisely than on nice steak or really good food, you know. But Judas had that same, uh, had a similar Uh, feeling when a woman attempted to give a lavish gift to Jesus, and Jesus said, sometimes it's actually good to spend money on worship. Sometimes it's good to spend money when you're not motivated out of greed, but but you're motivated out of generosity, and you're giving. You're giving of your resources. You're giving of your talents and your time. Relationships with begin, right, with something to eat or drink. You know, if you want to get to know somebody, the best way to do that is to go out to coffee, or you go out and share a meal, you get together with somebody, you invite them into your home. That's a great way to get to know somebody. Just meeting them on the street and saying, hi, you know, it only goes so far, but eventually, if you really want to get close to somebody, you need to share a meal with them. And so what Jesus is saying here is invite into your parties people who have nothing to repay, people that have nothing to repay. They, they have no social status. They have no wealth. They have no affluence. They have no possessions. They have no education. They will not give back to you. Be generous with your menu. Be generous with your guest list. Expand it. Get wider with it. Get broader with it. Bring in more people. Include more people in it. Jesus is saying, don't just invite your friends. Invite the people who will repay you back and invite you out the next week. But open your home. Open your resources up so that many people could come and participate in your generosity and in your feast. So the biblical doctrine of hospitality begins with this. Number one, I want you to, just as a ground rule, to understand that hospitality is not just hanging out with Christians, actually. So it's not, we're not just talking about that. There's a word in the Bible that that has to do with hanging out with other Christians. It's called fellowship. But this is not fellowship. This is, the word hospitality in the Bible means to welcome the stranger, to welcome the stranger. Fellowship is when you hang out with Christian friends. That's great. And you should, by the way. We, we give opportunities to do that. Growth groups are a huge one. If you're a student, life groups at Chi Alpha is another way to do that. And so we want, want you to connect with other people in those opportunities. But hospitality is when you're hanging out with your friends, you invite the stranger in the hope that the stranger would then become your friend. Let me say that again, in case you didn't get it. Hospitality is that you're hanging out with your friends, but inviting the stranger. Remember, broadening the guest list and inviting them in so that they might become 
your friends, that you all would become friends. It shows something of the character of God. God is a missional God. And so food and banquets and feasting and opportunities to eat together is a reflection of the very nature of God, that he is a God that wants to feast with us and eat with us. And so he invites us to participate on this side of eternity to do his work for him. It's something of the character of God. It's something of the nature of God, his heavenly kingdom, and of his glory. So, continuing on, we're going to get into the meat of hospitality now. And then I'm going to give you some practical advice. But right now, I just want to read the story to you. It's a kind of a long one. Follow along with me in your Bibles. The words will be on the screen as well. So back to Luke 14, starting in verse 15. Uh, Now we start to see some excuses come up in this story. So Jesus has just said, broaden the guest list. People won't repay you, but that's okay. Invite the poor and, you know, make sure that everyone is included. And then he goes on, and some people are going to make some excuses. Well, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Verse 17. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Anybody heard those, these excuses? You, you probably have. The first said to him, I have bought a field. I have a business to do, and I must go out and see to it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. (laughs) I mean, the Bible can be funny, right? So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry. And what did he say? He said to a servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, well, sir, what you commanded has been done, and there still is room. And the master said to the servant, go out then into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. None of the ones that came and gave their excuse will be invited, will taste of my banquet. And I think what you need to hear in this story is this. A couple things. Number one, God is a generous God. God wants to give. God wants to supply us. God wants to nourish us. God is a generous God. And in this story, the guy throwing the party is saying, I want my house to be filled. Now, many of you, you know, you struggle with this idea of like, what about people that are outside of faith? What about people that don't know God? You know, what's, does, does God delight in that? And I, and I want you to see the heart of God in this scripture is that as many could come and as many will come should fill this place up. And we should all partake of the joy of fellowship with each other. I mean, that's great. I love that idea. But, you know, we we do get the excuses, right? I don't know. Sometimes when it comes to hospitality and being generous with our time and our resources, I mean, we are excuse factories. Like, even now, you could be in your mind going, okay, well, first of all, I got like two dimes to rub together. I barely have any friends. How would I show hospitality? Or you might think, you know, I'm so incredibly busy. You just don't understand. Pastor Scott, you probably have tons of time, you know, but I don't. My schedule is full. My time is full. I can't. And, and we're loaded with excuses. 
But the problem is, is that when we think about hospitality, we're too often thinking about entertaining, like, you know, impressing people. And, but entertaining really has little to do with hospitality. And so before we go any further, I want to talk about the ways in which entertaining is quite different from hospitality. And the first way that it is, is entertaining says, I want to look good. I want to look good. And, and hospitality says, no, that's not true. I want Jesus to look good. It has less to do with me than it has to do with making Jesus look good. The second thing about entertaining is that it's an emphasis on food or outer appearances. It's what can I do to show you my resources and what I have. That's great, but hospitality is emphasis on the heart and those in your home. It's, it's, it's who you invited. It's so much more important than the kind of food that you present or maybe the, the kind of fashion or, 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 or interior decorating that you have, you're able to present. It's, it's so much more than that. Entertaining is preoccupied or apologetic about messes, you know. If you're entertaining and somebody comes in and something's a little dirty, you're very embarrassed of it. You don't you want to hide it or show it or sweep it under a rug. But that's entertaining. Hospitality is all about being humbled by the mess and still being willing to give, still being willing to serve. It's not preoccupied with the ways in which we don't present our best foot forward. In entertainment, the goal is to impress. I want to show you what I got. Hey, you want to go out into my garage and check out my new boat? You want to see the nice rug that I have? Do you want to see the beautiful stuff, the furniture that we have? Look at the paintings on the wall. Do you want to see it? Look how clean our place is. And you know what? If that's true, that's not most of us, right? Most of us have very busy lives where we do life in our homes and we, we, we try our best to keep the place clean, but sometimes we fall short. And if the goal is to impress, we don't invite anyone over, but if the goal is to serve, we see every resource as a gift from God that has to be turned around for the benefit of his kingdom. And so as you prepare your homes, prepare your hearts to serve. And by the way, hospitality doesn't even have to occur in the home, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Here's some practical advice for you. I love giving practical advice from the Bible, and here's some that I've learned through many, many years of practicing this. And by the way, hospitality is a practice. For those of you guys who use the introvert-extrovert excuse, you know, I will just tell you this. Knock it off. <laughs> I, I use that excuse many, many times in my life. And, and, and you know what I really learned is that it's something that you got to practice. I, I've told this story many times about me uh, with another elder at the church, and he was always glad-handing everybody and really, like, high-fiving. It just seemed like he was, it was sort of natural. And I remember going up to Nick, and I was saying, hey, man, I wish I could be like you. And he was like, hey, dude, I'm exactly like you. I'm an engineer. I love, like, writing computer programs and stuff. And, like, I don't interface that well to people, but I just practice it. He said, I want you to come and stand by me. I want you to learn how to, like, be friendly to people. And I, I literally shook, like, 500 hands that morning. And, and, and it just, and it was a process of time. You know, hospitality is the exact same way. It's a practice. You get better at it. You learn what not to do. You learn that not everything has to be super expensive. You learn what foods to buy. You learn like what areas of the house need to be clean and what you can just shut the door and pretend doesn't exist. You know, uh, you learn these things. It's a skill. It really is a skill. I will tell you one thing. When I was camping for the very first time, and I love to camp, but the very first time I took the family out camping was an absolute disaster. I forgot 
brought a bunch of stuff. I set up some things that I didn't need to bring. It was like, you know, have you ever been backpacking and you just throw everything into the backpack and you got a 100-pound pack? You know, now I can get it down to like 15, 20 pounds. Why? Because I'm better at it. I've practiced it so many times and, uh, and I enjoy the fact that I've mastered that as a skill. Hospitality is very much about it. First of all, some practical advice. Number one is plan your hospitality. Plan it. Plan it. Okay, so here's the thing. Is you plan your garden, you plan your schooling, you plan your vacations. If you don't plan hospitality, if you don't plan those days where you can get people together in your house, where you can get together with people in a restaurant, it won't happen. It just won't. And so as much as we like, and some spontaneity, spontaneity does, does occur, but you must plan hospitality. And the second thing I would say is this, share the cost, share the burden. If you have a group of friends, you know, you don't just have to do everything yourself. Uh, I think there are some people in this church, I won't call them out by name, so good about this. They will get together with a group of people and they will say, bring this, you bring that, and they will share the cost, share the burden. They will bring people together in their home. Uh, there was a group that got together every Sunday for just, I mean, I mean years, like, and it was just Sunday night dinner and everybody would bring their stuff um, Kristen, I'm looking at you, and, 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 and it was a model. No, honestly, I mean, I'm saying this, like, it, it, the, the biggest compliment is that it was a model of this idea of sharing the cost and the burden. Uh, make it a component meal. You don't, have to, uh, you don't have to do everything. So maybe like a taco bar or salad bar where you bring the cheese, I bring the meat, somebody brings the taco shells. You see where I'm going with that. Just an idea. Be creative. It doesn't have to be expensive. You don't need you know, medallions of beef or duck under glass or anything that sounds French. You just don't need that. You just go down to Winco, get a pack of hot dogs, put them on the grill. You know, if you don't have a grill, borrow one. Like, even a student can, can show hospitality in that way. It doesn't have to cost much. Be creative. Um, so any group activity could be an opportunity for hospitality. You go into the park, have a picnic, make it a picnic, invite some friends, invite some people outside the church broaden the guest list. Do you see where I'm going with this? Make it something that, that could be, and, and look at everything as an opportunity for hospitality. When the church service is over today and everybody starts to go outside the doorway, you know what? Guess what? It's sort of an opportunity to grab somebody and go, hey, you know what? I don't know you that well. Let's go out and get to know each other. Hospitality can ensue, right? You could just go walk over to the taco bar. You could walk to the store and grab a bag of Dots homestyle pretzels even. You could do something like that. Just an idea. Be creative. <laughs> and then the last thing is this really honestly broaden the guest list. If you're going out to eat with some friends, think about like, oh, you know, hey, that person that is my neighbor that normally wouldn't associate with church or come to church, but if I'm going out to eat with somebody in my church family, bring the, those people along because they will come to that. They will come to a meal with their peers, but they necessarily won't come to a church service. So broaden the guest list. You know, the thing that we're overlooking in church I firmly believe this with all my heart, is that our society today is, is in, a, in a crisis. And it's a crisis of loneliness. It really is. We are the most connected via social media to each other than we ever have been in the history of humanity. I mean, I got, I got 1,500 friends on Facebook, you know. I, I mean, it, it's incredible. But the, the reality is, is that there's a crisis of loneliness. There was a book that was written about 10 years ago called Bowling Alone. And it really saw this trend of people doing things alone because they literally were disconnected from actual human relationships. 
And so what happens if, as a church, we begin to broaden our guest list in terms of hospitality and reach out to neighbors and baristas and hairdressers, acquaintances that we have, maybe an old friend from high school, maybe somebody that we just met, friend of a friend, just, just others, just people, just broadening the guest list. What could uh, the church of Jesus Christ look like if we did that? And, and it's hard. You know, it's hard because it involves us getting out of our comfort zone, being a little willing to experience some uncomfortableness, you know, to, to broaden our guest list, to invite people along. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed about being in a military family, I, I have to say this, if, you've, if you're a part of the military or you've been in a military family, you'll realize that you develop this, this, almost this reflex of just getting to know your neighbors and getting to know people around you because that's what you're, you know, you're doing a common life together. Well, the church is very much like that. It should be like that. And sometimes it's not, but we have to be intentional about it as a church of saying, you know what, we're doing a shared life together. Increasingly outside in the culture, they don't get what we do here. And we have to invite them along and get them to see that, number one, we're not a bunch of weirdos. But we wanted to, number two, is like we, we do, there is something different. There is something alive and loving and real and authentic about this place that I want to share. And I want as many people to come along as, a, as, as possible. So can you imagine what it would look like if we gave our God-given resources and we put into work for the glory of his kingdom? If, in fact, if I dare say so, if we could dare to venture into uncomfortable situations for the kingdom, if we could dare to do that, if we could dare to venture into uncomfortable situations for the kingdom of God, if we believe that a party can literally change eternity, because it can. I mean, it literally can. I am here today as your pastor because I showed up and people invited me into their lives. People like the Fleeners, people like the Breeds and the Seabergs, and all the, just the people that were initially, when I came here, I was family right away. And I hopefully, like if you came to Candy Creek Church for the very first time, I hope that you know that you're family. And maybe like, you know, give us a chance to prove it to you. And, and all of us, you're a part of the reason why this church is so amazing. So finally, I want to say this, that hospitality, like anything in the Christian life, is an act of worship. You're saying, what do you mean? Like worship, you know? How can you eat food and, and feel worshipful? The thing is, is that God created us for joy. And one of the greatest things about it is that we experience the very same thing that anyone else can experience, like a great steak. And, but the difference is, is this, uh, that, that when I eat this wonderful steak, I, my joy doesn't terminate right there on the meal. My, my joy actually rolls forward into the glory of God. I literally can do something that brings me joy, and, and it actually brings glory to God. And you realize that when you get together with friends and you're hanging out and you're enjoying a laugh and you're enjoying a good time and you're listening to good music and you're having good food, that you actually can worship God. Hospitality is an act of worship. Isn't that amazing? That's my closing thought. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're sitting in a room here with people, many of whom we don't know people that are new, people that love you, people that may be lonely, that just wandered in for the first time or have been here for maybe even months but don't feel connected. We exist in this community with them who live apart from the joy of knowing you, people that are outside of the walls of this building 
You have planted us here in this moment, in Moscow, in Pullman, in this region, to make a difference. So God, give us the courage. Give us the change in attitude. Provide the resources for us to accept and just spread this blessing of who you are that you have poured into our lives. You have done so many great things. You have you've changed my life, God. You have transformed me in a way that nothing ever would, could, or ever will. And God, I want to share that love with as many people as possible. And God, as much as you might you know, call me to do radical things for you, one of the most radical things, God, that you have called me to do is share my life and hospitality with others. I pray, God, that you would call all of us to do the same. As Venture Church, God, that we would follow you in radical obedience to build a community of selflessness. In Jesus' name, amen.